0: All joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Good morning, church family. If you will please get your Bibles and turn with me to James. Still in chapter one. And I want to continue with verses thirteen through fifteen. We talked about temptation or starting to talk about temptation last week and and kind of stopped at why God's not going to tempt us because of his holiness and who he is and who Christ is and they are one in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So all of the holiness of God does not allow sin to be anywhere near him. So he's not the one that that is tempting us. Um, so we're going to continue and take a look at what temptation means to a true faith. So today is, is the second part of true faith endures with understanding temptation and what temptation brings. So read with me James chapter 1 uh, verses 13 through 15. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is, has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So, as we are looking at what temptation is and, and how our faith stands up to it, is it strong enough? Um, we kind of know the answer from last week because Christ Jesus was tempted and he overcame temptation and he could he had to because he is God. Um, and with Christ in us, in our relationship with him, in our salvation, we do have a way to overcome temptation. Um, so we can close in prayer now and that's the message, really. Well let's let's work a little bit because I've got some issues I need to kind of vent and and offload to all of you guys cuz I deal with temptation, I don't know about y'all. Um so let's take a look at at some of this. So what is the true source of temptation? Obviously we know Satan tempts, God doesn't tempt. Um but there's another piece in there. So take a look with that phrase I am being tempted by God. Now that must mean and I said this last week that James had some people around him who kept blaming God for their sin and their temptation. Um, and it's called Shifting Blame. Um, shifting Blame kind of backfired on me this week. Um, because when I brought up my cinnamon roll story, I feel bad confessing this to y'all. When I brought up my cinnamon roll story, remember the, the beautiful description of the hot cinnamon roll? The, the cinnamon and sugar infused and swirled around the dough, right? Are you guys hungry already? Um, <laughs> I sat there and thought, you know what, at the beginning of the pandemic, I mentioned Pop-Tarts, and I got a lot of Pop-Tarts, like still getting Pop-Tarts, right? So I'm like, oh, I mentioned cinnamon rolls. I wonder if I'm going to get cinnamon rolls. Do you know I didn't get any cinnamon rolls <laughs> until yesterday? I got cinnamon, a cinnamon roll yesterday, but someone came by the office, a friend of mine, dear friend. And and I wish that this person didn't love me so much. But they admitted, look, I was gonna bake a cinnamon rolls, but I didn't want to tempt you. I'm like, come on, you could tempt me a little bit. <laughs> but but she didn't want me shifting the blame to her for my giving in to the temptation of the cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls. That person knows who they are. I still love you, and I do love you for not tempting me. Um, but but shifting blame it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Um, if you go to Genesis chapter 3, uh, and you can turn there if you want, but this is basically the story of Adam and Eve um, partaking of the fruit of the tree they weren't supposed to. They got in trouble and busted. God caught them. So that's where we are in Genesis chapter 3. And verse 12, when God confronted Adam, you know why did you eat the fruit of the, the tree that you weren't supposed to eat? He says, "Well, the woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and yes, I ate it." So he's blaming Eve. He's actually blaming God too. If you if you see the phrase, "You gave the the woman that you gave me as a companion," so God, it's really your fault for giving me this woman, and and then it's her fault for tempting me. So he's already shifting blame, and Eve does the same thing. The next verse, Genesis three thirteen. When God confronted Eve, she replied, "Well the serpent deceived me and I ate." so she's shifting blame to Satan and the serpent uh, to that that was why she ate of the the fruit so we know that God doesn't tempt us um, but it, sometimes it's easy for God for us to blame God for our sin um, if he has these great plans for us, plans to prosper and not to uh, be defeated. If if God's got all this laid out and there is temptation in my life, well, then that's part of his plan. So it must be God's fault. Um, but we talked about that last week, that God can't tempt. Uh, the holiness of God does not allow sin to be anywhere near him. Uh, and so it's not God, it's, it's really us. Uh, and look at verse 14. So where does temptation come from? But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Um, it's We've got a decision to make uh, as human beings to when we are faced with temptation, uh, we have a decision to make. And it's our own desire that is causing us, our, our sinful nature, our desire is going to cause some issues to where we go down a road that's is not the right way and opposite of what God's will is. Um, because we talked about last week about the temptation, that temptation is an opportunity to do something good, but in a bad way um, and not the way that God wants us to, to, to go the right road. Um, so speaking of road, I want us to travel through the rest of this, these verses kind of on a road trip. Um, if you know me, I love a road trip. Uh, even if it 's just an hour away, but all of all of the trips that we go as a church flights, whatever I love a good road trip um, two of i I almost put i have favorite down on my sermon notes i don 't know if they were my favorite they were definitely memorable, but I have driven across the United States twice uh, one was an amazing time with the boys when they were very little in fact cameron hadn 't even turned three yet. So imagine a road trip with a two-year-old. I think Ryan was about five. Tyler was about eight, seven or eight um, across country. Now, we took our time, but that was the move to come here, to, to be a part of this church and be moving to the Waldorf community. Um, that was a great time. We took our time. We ended up all the way up to Chicago, back down. Um, the other time, we moved our in-laws out. So I got to spend four Amazing days with my father in law in a van all the way across the United States, and that was an adventure he loves to talk and and so we have many hours of great conversation um, so a road trip is i love good road trips so we 're going to take a look at what this road where does temptation what kind of road are we going to end up going down with temptation as we 're faced with our desires and and our sin nature and all of that so reading verses 14 and 15 again, and I'll reread these. It says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So, the first important piece of a road trip is kind of figuring out where you're going to go, right? Or sometimes you just throw ways on and just let her take you wherever you're going to go. With the, de- the destination in, but sometimes it's kind of a good idea to, to look at the the whole route and to see what's coming. Are they freeways? Are they backcountry roads? Whatever. So taking a look at, at what this passage, because the ultimate end to our destination with this verse following temptation and giving in to our sin nature and desire is death. So we know where the end is going to happen. Um but it does start with temptation and then on to desire. And then our desire, we have a choice to make between our sin nature or God's will. And when sin nature and our desire are brought together with action or an act of thought, sin is birthed. Um, and, and then it grows and leads to death. So let's take a look at all of these. And by the way, temptation never says says at the beginning of the journey, Hey, by the way, this is potentially going to destroy your life. this is potentially going to destroy your family. this is going to hinder your relationship with God. this is going to wreck your life never temptation never starts out that way, so it always looks good. It always looks like the easy way out sometimes looks like the more enjoyable way out of a situation, um, but i don't think and I, and I don't think as parents we would give a stick of dynamite to our children, would we? Because we know the outcome of what's going to happen. Probably not a good idea. And James is trying to remind us we've got to avoid the road that temptation is going to lead us down. So as we begin our journey, it starts with desire. Verse 14. Uh, now, typically, desire is associated with physical attraction. Um, but it really is a longing for something or someone. In Luke 22, 15, here's Jesus, and this is the same word in Greek that, that it is here in James, for desire. The same word is used in Luke 22, 15, and this is Jesus right before the Last Supper. He says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So even Christ's desire, like desire is not a bad thing. Paul mentions in Philippians 1, 23, as he's... Kind of deb- talking about his life with Christ or living in the flesh, he says, "I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better." So, desire is a very strong spiritual word um, for evil or for God's glory. So, as we look at desire, that's not necessarily a bad start. Okay, as we as we go through this, we have normal desires in our life. Um, we have hunger. We have thirst. I desire some food. I need some food. Give me some food. Give me a, a glass of water. Um, but it's when those desires become something outside of God's will for our life. So eating is normal, but gluttony is a sin. So there's a there's a path that can happen, um, starting off with desire. The next is the deception of temptation. Um, this next stop on our journey is what, how temptation in a situation can can entice us and lure us away. And James uses these words that are associated with fishing and hunting. If you look at um, the the word to entice to lure away, um, if you're a great fisherman, you've got the perfect bait. Uh, you have the perfect bait because you know that's what that type of fish wants. And so you, you bait the hook and you cast and you hope that that bait is enticing and luring enough. Actually, that's why it's also called a lure. Um, to, to catch this fish. So the fish is swimming along on its journey, whatever direction it was supposed to go and then is a little distracted by your bait and fish comes on over to check it out. And if it's a good day of fishing, you've, that fish has gone after that bait and you've caught that fish. So James is using this fish, this, this fish, <laughs> fish and hunting picture of that that's what temptation does to us. It, it lures us in. It entices us. Hey, this isn't so bad. Just try a little bit. It's not going to, it's not going to hurt you and we know where this road is going. But sin happens that way as well, doesn't it? That temptation that leads to sin is Man if I just try a little bit, and then I won't ever try it again, it's that slow progress, um, that progression of what this process is of from temptation uh, to having our sin nature involved with our desire, leading us into sin. So we have a decision to make, and this leads us to a fork in the road. Um, this is a decision to either join, our desire to our sinful nature, which James, by the way, describes as conception of a baby. Um, when you put the, the sin nature with desire, you have birthed a problem. And that problem is sin. Leads to sin or gives birth to, as James goes on to describe in this verse, which leads to death um, as the baby is full grown. So so there's this caution of the sin nature Connected to this desire that we have for this choice that we are tempted with. The fork in the road, the other decision is what? Is God's will. Um, Or do we join our desire to the will of God and in his strength overcome that temptation and flee from it? So we have this fork now in our road. Do we give in and continue on this journey of sin uh, that temptation and our desire and our sin nature has allowed, or do, are we going to take this temptation and this desire that God's equipped us with and might, no, I want to glorify God. So th- these decisions are hard. It is not such an easy time because temptation can be so strong, can't it? Um, when I walk through the grocery store, oh, by the way, back to the cinnamon rolls. You know who has cinnamon rolls now? McDonald's, and it's not bad, not bad. Um, Anyway, sorry, I was distracted. Um, A little tempted. (laughs) I might, yeah, never mind. Um, But as I'm shopping in a grocery store and I come across cinnamon rolls, I have a decision to make, don't I? I can either say, nope, I'm being good, I'm on a diet, and walk past, right, that's the right choice, Or am I going to give in knowing that full well, that whole platter of cinnamon rolls will probably be gone within 24 hours? Um, On my own, by the way, I don't share with the family back at home. (laughs) I have a secret. Oh, wait, they might be watching. Um, So, yeah, there is a temptation, but there's a decision every single time. There is always a decision to go after God's will in a situation or to go down our our own um, giving into our own natural desire and and sin nature, so there 's always a decision and this desire for our sin nature to join this temptation and this outward um, outward situation is it 's a thought process it really does start in our mind doesn 't it um, when we have a situation, a temptation before us, and we have that decision to make. A lot of times, the temptation in our life, think, we've been thinking about this for a while, um, that it really starts in our mind. And we have that choice also to either actively pursue that temptation, or I even put active thought. So what is an active thought? Because am I really giving into temptation if I just think about it without acting on it? And the answer is yes. You start heading down that direction. So an active thought. Um, and I realize there are young ones here and I was trying to avoid this, but I've used this forever. If I'm walking down the street and there is a cute lady, okay, walking past, I might admire God's creation, right? God did really well with that human being, uh, this female of, you know, and, and so then I go on, okay, that's, that's. Seeing something, someone beautiful, and I'm not going to be tempted. The active thought is then like, "Whoa, like, I wonder if she'd go out with me," you know. And and you're letting your mind now wander to a place that it doesn't need to go. Um, as a culture, we have always dealt with those situations with pornography, with um, with the the temptation of our physical desires. Uh, and so, that's what active thinking is. Okay, scripture talks about this. Jesus said, if you are angry with your brother, you are guilty of murder. He also said, if you look upon a woman with lust after her, you have already committed adultery with her. So it, the mind is a powerful thing, isn't it? And so it's more than just, well, I can think about it, it's not hurting anyone, harming anyone. No, we've got to we've got to be careful of our mind. That's why it is so important in Romans twelve two that says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what, your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." So, we've got to be cautious of where we are and what we're doing. It reminds me of a little boy who went to the kitchen, got down the cookie jar, placed it on the table. All of a sudden, mom catches him like, Georgie, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm just trying to not be tempted. Well, if you are trying not to be tempted, don't grab the cookie jar, right? Avoid the cookie jar. Um, There are so many things that we've got to avoid. Uh, I don't know about you. Social media has been crazy over the last while. I wouldn't even know what date to start with. I avoid interacting on social media because I know this is just going to take me down a path that I don't need to go. Um, And I think all of us can continue to to find things in our life that we've got to be careful of, knowing that it's not going to glorify God. It really is giving into a a desire and a situation that may not bring any glory to God. and might even do more damage to Those around us, those that we love and around us. So this last step, and we know the destination, that temptation and desire matched with our sinful nature brings out an outward action or active thought that is going to lead us into sin, which will ultimately end in death. Now, we know as believers that we don't, we're don't. we not going to die a spiritual death. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, We are going to die a physical death. And death includes a physical death and a spiritual death. So why has James put this in here? And sin always leads to a, a spiritual death without a Savior, without Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. His blood covers all of our sin. And so we go to the throne of God. Covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and our sins are washed and our sins are forgiven. So as Christians, our sin doesn't lead to a spiritual death, but it does lead to some complications in our relationship with God, doesn't it? Um, I always love this, this picture of a, of a direct access to, to Christ and my relationship with him as just imagine a, a big PVC pipe. Okay? Direct access, clear. When things are going amazing, like I can see him, I can look through, and know that he's there. But man, when sin comes in, and and there's some unforgiven sin, and there's things that I'm just actively choosing to continue to do, that that relationship isn't broken. It's not. It's it's not gone. And then I have to ask Christ Jesus into my life again. But it kind of gets clogged up doesn't it? It gets to where, well, I can't quite see Jesus anymore. Um, There's some things in my life that I've got to really cut out um, and, and bring that relationship back into a, a, the way that it needs to be a healthy relationship. Um, And we've got to caution ourselves as Christians that we know, okay, well, I'm going to heaven. I know that for a fact. I've got sin in my life. I can sin all I want because all my sins are already covered by Jesus. Does that mean that we've sinned more? No. We continue to love Jesus Christ and and try to be more like him. And fix those things that need desperately to be fixed in our life. The sin that needs to be dealt with. That we need to go to God and confess. That we, if we need to confess to our brother and sister and get that right with them, we've got to work on this sin, because temptation's gonna be around the rest of our lives. And sometimes it comes on very strong and difficult, and other times it's easy to overcome. But what did I say before? We always have a decision back to God's will in our life. We always have a way out. Let me read to you, and you can turn with me as I close with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 11 through 13. So 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13, this is kind of a reminder to us, a picture to us of what Israel, the nation of Israel, who did not stand very firm in the wilderness, um, but gave in to temptation and committing sins as idolatry and grumbling and all of this. But look at what has happened, and we know this because of what Christ has done in our life. We know this because God loves us so much. Read with me, 1 Corinthians 10:11 through13 says, "Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So we have not only a Savior who has overcome temptation and can't be tempted. We have access to that power and strength. So we know that we can overcome temptation. And God's God's strength and, and Holy Spirit and at work in our life allows us to overcome temptation. But look at what it also says. God is faithful. He will not let us to be tempted beyond our ability, but with the temptation, he also provides a way out. There's always a choice. And by the way, it says a way of escape. Okay, this isn't just an exit as we're journeying along. This reminds me of going to the zoo, going into the reptile house, okay, with all the critters and slimy things and all of that, and then a little announcement on the speaker. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we have lost a couple of our snakes in the building. Now, I'm not going to gently exit the building. I'm going to flee, like escape out of that building. That's exactly the picture of what James is warning us about. When we have temptation, we need to flee. We need to escape. We need to grab that escape route that God has given us and get out. And I pray that if, if someone is struggling today with a temptation... That has just overpowered you. You feel absolutely drowning in the sin. There is a way out. There is a way out, um, and we have, because we have a God that loves us, a Savior whose blood has conquered, is so much greater than any sin we can ever come up with, and a, a Holy Spirit that will continue to to work in our in our heart and in our life. And I pray if there's something that you need to to work on. Or talk to someone, please talk to someone. Talk to me about what it looks like to find that escape route and run and to flee. We have a Savior who has overcome temptation. We have this picture of what life looks like that we deal with sin. As believers, we still deal with sin. But there is a way out. Um, we have a Savior. And, and our true faith can be hindered in its growth by the sin in our life. And I pray that we continue to work through what that looks like. Um, I'm going to close in prayer. And then I'm going to give us some instruction for a new way that we're going to do invitation. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be reminded again how much you love us. Uh, That in that love, you understand that we are dealing with our sin nature. We are dealing with a life and a world full, full of sin, and, and most of that starts within our hearts and our minds. Father, I pray that you continue to give us strength. I pray that uh, if there's a situation in our life that we need to have bright neon lights showing us the exit escape route that you have for us, please show that to us. Father, as we continue to seek after you in all things, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. During our invitation now, due to COVID and and trying to—it's hard to talk with masks on close to one another. Typically, I would come down and have you guys come right to me to allow some distance and to allow some conversation. Um, if you would like to join our church, if you want to get baptized, if you just simply need prayer, uh, we're going to start having a deacon on each side, um, and I'm going to have them come as a song starts. There's going to be a deacon on each side off to the the sides of the the stage. They will take you back right behind the door uh to to talk about your decision with, you know, enough enough room to talk carefully. Um and then what will happen is if if there's a, a someone that we can present to the church next week, we'll do that. Um so just thank you for your understanding as we continue to figure all this out. But let's have this time of invitation uh, as we close our time together.